jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Driver's Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644. If you'd like to get involved, phone lines open the entire first hour. We will be joined by the Hall of Famer Floyd Little to kick off hour number two. You can also text us if you'd like to get involved with the show. 315-288-0644. A lot to get to. A lot of SU football to get to. We can talk some NFL. Your Giants dreadful last night. My oh, Bills dreadful in the afternoon yet again. We'll we'll talk some NFL as the show moves along. I want to spend all of our number one though talking SU football. The Orange getting a win on Saturday, just like we said. We said they were going to get that win. Um, the way they went about it, a little unexpected. They absolutely dominated Florida State. Offense, defense, special teams. Syracuse was the better team. This was not like the upset of Clemson. This was not like the upset of Virginia Tech. This was a game. This was not an upset at all. Syracuse went out and was just flat out the better team, the much better team against Florida State on Saturday. There's no question about that. And Alton Robinson said that after the game, and I thought that was um, something you don't normally hear uh, a player say. But at the same time, like, yeah, I, I thought he was right. I mean, he came, he came out after the game and said, no, we don't think this is an upset. The better team won. And and when you watch that game, when you watch those two teams play on Saturday, the Sy- Syracuse was better offensively. Syracuse was better defensively. Syracuse was sharper on special teams. And Syracuse was coached better. I mean, let's not sugarcoat that either. Every single phase of the game on Friday, on Saturday afternoon, Syracuse beat Florida State. So it shouldn't be that surprising that they won. Uh, I'm still a little surprised at how that happened, uh, to be totally honest. Not that they won, but how they won, and that it was so dominating, and, and that they were just manhandling people up front, and they got to DeAndre Francois with little to no problem all throughout the afternoon. Uh, but Syracuse clearly, clearly was the better team in beating Florida State and, uh, yeah, they, they showed that. They got the win. There were two things in particular that surprised me about the performance on Saturday. Number one was the Syracuse defense. Uh, holding Florida State below 300 total yards of offense, but below 250 yards of total offense. Florida State finished with 240 on the day. The Seminoles were 1 of 14 on third down. They had 10 three and outs. That surprised me. Cam Akers, who we saw run for 200 yards, 199 yards, and two touchdowns last year in Tallahassee, you know that he's got that home run ability. Finished with 52 rushing yards. They held him in check. That was the, the first thing that surprised me. The second thing that surprised me, I'll be honest with you, Seth, I was down on the field, and, and I know you were in the press box, um, and, and I'm sure you had much the same feeling. Man, is Florida State bad. Like They had no idea on offense awful. what they were trying to do. I could not believe it. I could not believe that that was Florida State. And I know that they're getting used to a new head coach in Willie Taggart. 
But we talked about it all week. Well, they still got four and five star guys on that roster, and there's talent, and there's athleticism, and they have Cam Akers, and they have DeAndre Francois, and and, and they've got wideouts who who can make plays. It's just a matter of this offense clicking. Seth, they they looked clueless on the offensive side of the ball. I could not believe what I was seeing. Now, some of that has to do with the SU defense, and again, they were spectacular. Can't take anything away from them. But some of that is just them being inept on the offensive side of the football. No, they. there were times where I didn't know if they had ever played football before. That offensive I mean, line is atrocious. Awful. Yeah, they, like, they, again... There were times where I didn't know if those players had ever played football before. They like they looked that bad. I I was shocked. I, I was stunned to see how bad they looked. And and look, they they weren't great last year. Uh, let's you know, let's not sugarcoat that either. But this is a a drastic step backwards from where they were last year, right? I, I mean, and and what they lose, they lost Derwin James. Like, okay, that's a gr- great player. But like that's what you that's what you turn into after losing you know one of your starters off that team, that was shocking. I I think yeah to your point that that stark difference of where they are now to where they were last year to where they were two years ago when they were you know like a legit contender when DeAndre Francois had that great freshman year. Um, I, I was shocked to see where they are. They they looked awful. They looked lost. They, they uh, there was a play that I remember. Um, they were lining up defensively, and they they ended up calling a timeout right before the snap. But they had nobody on the side of the field that Jamal Custis was lined up on. How do you do that? Right, like he's the one receiver you have to pay attention well, to for it go- Syracuse. It goes back to coaching. And I understand that that they're trying to make this transition from Jimbo Fisher to Willie Taggart, and it's very different. Okay, and and so you expect some growing pains early in the year. But there's a phrase that Julian Wiggum loves to use. He loves to use the "we're better than you" defense, like that's right. their scheme. And, right. and you would think that Florida State, when all else is lost and and they can't move the ball, that they'll just go to the "we're better than you" offense and just let their talent take over and just make plays. They were unable to do it. We saw that against Samford. They were able to flip the switch. They only beat Samford because they. They played the we're better than you offense down the stretch. That last drive, they just they they marched down the field and they kind of threw out the window what they had been trying to do, but they could not flip the switch against Virginia Tech. They could not flip the switch against Syracuse. And, you know, Julian said it on the pregame show. I asked him, I said, is you know, there's still a gap, right, between Syracuse and Florida State. He said, Yeah, there's a gap. There is. But it's not what it used to be. And I think we saw that on full display. Regardless of the new system, regardless of the new coaching staff, Syracuse's ones are just about as good, in some cases as good, in some right. cases better than the Florida State ones, and and that to me was surprising. Yeah, no, and I think that's a testament to what Dino Babers has done and, and what this and, and the growth of this program, where I think now we're at the point where we could say, all right, line up ones against ones, and, and once you get past that, it's a crapshoot, right? We saw that last year at the end of the year. Once you get past your ones, it, it's a crapshoot, and, you know, who knows? Ones against ones... Syracuse lines up well against a lot of teams. They did, you know, the first th- uh, two weeks of the season, which you would expect, but they did against Florida State. And and I saw a tweet earlier today that showed the the difference in recruiting levels uh, the last five years. And Syracuse isn't isn't there, right? It isn't on Florida State's level. Florida State's got top five recruiting classes each of the last five years. Syracuse is somewhere in the fifties to sixties in each of the last five years. 
But those ones, right, those, that that number one team, that number one group is at the level where they're at least good enough to compete right now, and, and they're good enough to go play with the talent level of Florida State, and who knows who else? I, I mean, I, I looked at this um, after the game and yesterday afternoon, and I'm looking at, at ESPN's uh, FPI, the Football Power Index, and, and Steve, they give Syracuse a better than 50% chance to go win f- uh, uh, five of their remaining games. Five of so their remaining nine then. games, and predicts them, to, and quote unquote predicts them to go five, uh, eight and four. I mean, that means that the computers like them, right? Like it's it's not just random people picking them. They've gotten to the point where they look good enough, and their numbers are good enough that like you can legitimately start to believe that they've turned some kind of a corner here, and that better things are ahead. I said on Friday and then Saturday in the pregame that my biggest concern about this matchup was that we knew. What Florida State's weakness was is it was the offensive line, and and I was not sure that SU's defense would be able to take advantage of that, and the front four in particular. We saw just one sack against Western Michigan. We saw only two sacks against Wagner. We saw four sacks on Saturday against Florida State, and DeAndre Francois was under duress the entire afternoon. They were in the backfield. They were making him make quick decisions. They disrupted what he was trying to do, what Cam Akers was trying to do, what they were just trying to do on offense. They just they didn't pick up first downs. They finished with 11 first downs the entire game. And and to me, that was the most eye-opening thing, that, that Syracuse's front four just went out there and flat-out beat Florida State's offensive line and just and just won that game and and we thought Syracuse was going to be able to score and they did and they only finished with thirty points. I tell you what though, you know we said first team to forty, they very easily could have got to forty. Oh there was goodness, the, yes. the goal line stand that Florida State made where Syracuse for some reason ran the ball three times and in then a row. they did it again. Then they did it again. <laughs> there was the Jamal Custis who the I mean the ball could not have been placed better Any in his better, hands and, it was and, a and he just dropped yep. it so he dropped a touchdown. I mean they left. A good fourteen to seventeen points on the table. I mean, they could have easily gotten. To, they they could have easily gotten to to forty points. I think so, they left. I think they left twenty points on the table in the first half. I think they left twenty points on the field. They didn't get anything out of that first goal line stand. They lost four when they kicked the field goal instead of going for it on the second one. Custis's uh, second time. So that's, eight, that's eighteen. That's eighteen. I, I mean, yeah. I think like you could you could probably find a couple more points. Fair enough. So they essentially left you know two to three touchdowns on the table. They finished with thirty. They very easily could have gotten to forty. Offensively, they were they were great. They yes, they, there were some missed opportunities in the first half, but by and large, you know Tommy DeVito came in for for Eric Dungey who was injured, did his thing. Special teams was solid, other than the the one missed field goal. And you know, defensively, oh, man, yeah. the they, missed field goal. They there's hit 21. that game out of the park. The missed field goal. There's 21. Right. And, and you can't <laughs> you can't assume a made field goal, but sure. There you go. Fine. Three touchdowns. There's your 21 in the first half. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I I thought that uh, I thought that Tommy looked good when he came in. I thought he looked more comfortable. To your point about the the defensive line, I, that has to me the most staggering part of the game, right? Because yes. they did they did nothing against Western Michigan. They did nothing against Wagner last week. And all of a sudden they come out and they're hitting De- uh, DeAndre Francois on every play. Every single play they were getting in his face. And if they weren't bringing him down, they were hitting him. And they were making him uncomfortable. And, and they were getting him off his spot. And that led to the first interception. That led to so many of those incomplete passes. That that he just he never he was never able to sit back there and get comfortable and make a play. He only was sacked four times. I say only because I mean he was 
you know, a millisecond away from being sacked several other times. He finished 18 for 36 passing. A reason he only completed 50% of his passes and a good reason was he was just under duress. He had to make quick, he had to throw it before he wanted to. His accuracy was off. And again, yeah, the secondary played well for Syracuse, but it just it everything starts with the front four being able to put pressure on him all afternoon. 315-437-7644 to the phone lines we go. Mike and Cicero kicking us off on the show today. Hey Mike. Hey guys. So I just had a few points, uh, and you mentioned a lot of them about the game on Saturday. But uh, one of the stats, you know, I was I was there. They were scrolling through the stats at the end of the third quarter. We had, we had given up, I think it was 131 total yards um, to to Florida State. So even though they ended up with 240, most of that was the final drive or whatever halfway through the fourth quarter where they scored the touchdown. So if you take that away, I mean that's that's just domination. And I I know I read a lot of people saying that Florida State really down this year and they were terrible, but really not a lot of people were giving us too much credit for the win. And, you know, anyone can say what they want about the defensive line, but they're still four and five star athletes who are, who are built very large. And I mean, they were dominated. I I know, again, people can say the offensive line is a mess, but you still got to overpower those people. And, and Syracuse did that. Um, Another point I thought DeVito played really well you know, again, for being thrown in there. And that was kind of the difference, uh, I think, between the game on Saturday and previous seasons where um, we didn't really have that much of a drop-off against or between our starter and our backup, which hopefully is a consistent trend. Um, I hope that continues throughout the year if something were to happen and moving forward. Uh, but we were just – we were the flat-out better team, and it's, it's nice to see. I hope it continues. Uh, moving forward, but it's, it, I mean, the dome was loud. The fans were into it. Uh, the, the team just played really well. There were some stupid penalties I thought were called um, that we got to control. Um, the, the one on Pierce on the punt return, I think it was, where the guy ran, he was standing on the sideline and he kind of started mouthing. But there were some, a lot of, a lot more positives than negatives for sure on Saturday. Yeah, appreciate the call, Mike. And, uh, you know, I agree with everything you're saying there. There were a lot of positives. You know, Mike said he he hopes that that continues where Syracuse is is just the better team and and able to dominate the opponent. I guarantee you it will continue next week. I mean, they're going to be the better team against UConn. Um, Well, they better be the better team. Well, they are the better team. (laughs) They are the better team. They better show up and be the better team, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, UConn's terrible. UConn is terrible. UConn, UConn has allowed... UConn has allowed 2,000 yards in its first three games. They've allowed 2,000 yards. Every offense that goes against them is the greatest offense of all time. So you expect a lot of points then on Saturday. Well, at least on Syracuse's side. Yes. Uh, Mike is right, by the way. Uh, Florida State had 131 total yards of offense after three quarters. Syracuse was at 375. It was 20 to nothing. Uh, Florida State had yet to convert a third down at that point, 0 for 10. It's unbelievable. Um, and, and he's right. I mean, they, they have big boys up front, and I wasn't sure going into the game if Syracuse could exploit that offensive line. We knew that that was the weakness, and they went out there and they did it. And and we've heard since the moment this coaching staff arrived at Syracuse that this defense was predicated on getting pressure on the quarterback with the front four and not having having to send a ton of guys, you know, blitzing and 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 whatnot. And there's a time and a place for that. But this defense is predicated on our guys up front being able to push around and beat your guys up front, and then everything else takes care of itself. And we saw that defense really for the first time. I mean, this is really the first time we saw what this defense is supposed to be. And I think if you're an, an SU fan, you got to be excited. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, this is the first time that we saw what the defense should be. I, I think to your point, the defense looked legitimately good, and and um, you you've got to think that that's this is a step forward, right? I, I mean, the defense has now looked good for the better part of the three games that they've played. There was that really. There's one bad quarter this season, right? Yeah. Like there's there's one bad quarter defensively this season, and it has thrown everything out of whack. And you know, outside of that. The, the Syracuse defenses look very good, and that, that, that continued on, uh, on Saturday. All right, keep those phone calls coming. 315-437-7644. we got to take our first time out. More of your calls after this. You're listening to Orange Nation on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth, back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644. Back to the phone lines we go. Steve in North Syracuse next up on the show. Hey, Steve. Yeah, um, f- football's my favorite sport. College football's my favorite level of the sport. But one thing I've always disliked about it, uh, I think mostly because we're kind of on the outside looking in, in in this, is that there are lots of factors that give certain schools advantages in obtaining talent. There's uh, uh, Whether you're a state school or a private school, um, state that produces a lot of talent or an area that does, uh, how much money has been spent on budget and facilities, and uh, have you been winning recently, because that's all the kids are going to remember, and, and, and things like that. So it's not a level playing field, and uh, we often wind up playing teams where uh, everybody on the other team was a four- or five-star recruit, and everybody on our team was a two- or three-star recruit. And, Sometimes I also think that three stars is like our glass ceiling. That the same guy who's a three star uh, when he went to because he went to Syracuse would be rated a four star if he went to Florida State. I, I think that's sometimes how they figure out the stars. But the thing is, uh, the, the, there's two saving graces. One is that uh, all of this uh, gives the schools like Florida State an advantage in recruiting teenagers. Uh, 15, 16, 17-year-olds who have been playing other 15, 16, 17-year-olds, and people are guessing at how well they're going to turn out. And sometimes those guesses can be wrong, and oftentimes what happens with the the coaching and maturity and development when they get to a college means more. I once asked Jim Beheim on his show, would it be correct to say that if a guy at age 25 starting in the NBA, that he was 20% of what he was going to be uh, when he went off to college and 80% of what he was going to be when he went to the pros. And he agreed with with, with that assessment. So you can have a team of two- and three-star Syracuse players playing a team of four- and five-star Florida State players, and we can be the better team. The other saving grace is that it's a sport where uh, if you have exceptional performers at certain positions or inadequate performers at those positions, that can uh, elevate or it can decrease the whole team. And I think that uh, we, we've been able to develop certain exceptional performers at like quarterback and defensive end and uh, uh, tackle that can make a real difference in a game. And at the moment, they don't seem to be doing that. And that plus the coaching change probably is the reason why Syracuse is simply a better team on Saturday than Florida State was. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, you look at the the recruiting numbers, Steve, and I, I've got them in front of me, um, and, and thanks for the call. But uh, over the last five years, 
Florida State this year was 11th, 2016, uh, 2017-6, 2016 second, 2015 third, 2014 fourth. Syracuse in that time span 50, 50th, 66, 58, uh, 50th. Um, to You're your talking point, in the country. Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point, um, Syracuse has been able to find and develop and uh, you know, kind of figure out a way to make player either make players better or find diamonds in the rough. Or in the case of an Alton Robinson, he ended up uh, not being able to go to Texas A and M for whatever reasons, and he ends up here. Uh, you know, they they they've been able to find those players. Eric Dungey, he he wasn't supposed to be a D one uh, like a, a big program D one player, and and look at what he's done over his uh, three plus years here. You know, so so they've been able to find their way into good talent, um, even if it's not highly rated. And they found the guys who make the impact, and and you know you you find a guy like an Eric Dungey, you get it, you get an Alton Robinson to come here. All of a sudden, you you start getting better talent. Tommy DeVito shows up. That's how the game works, right? That's that's how this game of college football works. So you start out low, you get higher, and and I think uh, I, I think Syracuse is in the right spot. And I think Dino Babers and his staff they've done a good job finding guys who fit their system, right? You know, I go back to like Hakeem Warwick. You know, Hakeem Warwick was not heavily recruited coming out of high school. He was all set to go to Providence, and we know the story. Julius Hodge decided to go to NC State. The scholarship you know, opportunity opened up at Syracuse, and, and he took it, and you know, he, he helped Syracuse win a national title. He was a great fit for this program. It wasn't like he was a McDonald's All-American, but it worked. And I think right. Dino Babers and his staff, they've done a nice job. They know the kind of player they want, and they've done a great job going out and, and finding the guys that fit what they're trying to do on both sides of the ball. And, and yeah, I think no, they, that, they've found the perfect player for them, right? They, they have found the right players for them. Um, and I, I think you're seeing that. I, I think Jarvian Howard is a fantastic yeah. fit for this team. I, I saw him on Saturday. I know I tweeted this out and I said it to you earlier. I, I think he's the best running back they have. And I think he's going to get more and more carries uh, that might come at the expense of of uh, of Dante Strickland, but I, I think he's the best running back they've got on. Who I should I should uh, couch this with the best running back they've got who can play right now because Abdul Adams might be better than all of them. But but Jarvie and Howard's the best one who can play right now. So he's probably I I would imagine he gets more carries going forward. He seems like a guy who fits. Nikeem Johnson seems like a guy just who fits say in Johnson. so well yep. to what they want to do. He's got a bright future. I think Howard has shown that that he has that home run ability. I mean, he had that forty five yard run. Just got you know tackled at the end. Yep. Uh, it was a couple yards from, I love from scoring Nikeem a touchdown. John- How about Nikeem Johnson? Like what five seven one one sixty? And he's uh, trucking people. I mean, he just ran over somebody. Lowered his shoulder, yeah. just ran right over the DB. He's got a bright future. So many young guys in this program. Uh, they do. They seem like a, a great fit for what Dino Babers is trying to do. Back to the phone lines. We go Tom in Syracuse next up on the show. Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking the call, guys. What do you got yeah, for us? Just before I make a comment, I have a question. Do you know when the university comes out with their, uh, their physical report on their injuries? Uh, there won't be one this week. They only have to do it ACC games. So, Dino Babers, if you're getting to the Eric Dungy injury, Dino Babers addressed it at his press conference a short time ago. He said that he has no concerns about the eye injury. Um, that That's why I took him out, said he had blurred vision. Um, and he says there's no concerns about that. There was no concerns about the, the late hit by Florida State, the helmet-to-helmet contact. Uh, and he expects him to play. Again, That that's according to Dino Babers from about an hour ago. Um, but the official injury report only comes out for ACC games. I have two comments if I could. 
first yeah, comment ahead. is I thought that uh, when DeVito came in, he finally settled in at the, at the quarterback position. In terms of setting up and getting ball off, he's one of the quickest kids I've ever seen. He, his marksmanship is fantastic. He's good on the short throw. He's also good at, got a good touch pass. Second comment. Let's not forget Dino Babers here for a second. I've never seen a guy that seems to be under the magnifying glass like this guy is in terms of what he can do and what he can't do. What this guy can do is he takes an athlete and he loves him up, he tells him how much he likes him and everything else, and then he backs it up because he knows about what they're doing off the field more so than some of the, his predecessors and some of the current people working at the university. He cares about the kids, and he coaches them up. And he's, he's doing his best to monitor their behavior, not only on the field, but they're off the field. I went to the university years ago, number one party school in the East. And I'll tell you something. The guys that go up there and play are under tremendous pressure to do anything but play with their sport. And I think Dino is attendant to that. And he's doing a fantastic job. And that's one of the reasons why our two and three stars beat the hell out of a four and five star team on Saturday. Well, thank you for your time. Appreciate checking in, Tom. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. Uh, I, I like Dino a lot. I yeah. think he's doing a heck of a job here. Um, yeah, what's what's not to like? I mean, he has a plan. I know they've gone 4-8 and eight back-to-back years. They're not going 4-8 and eight this year. No, I couldn't agree more. I, I think Dino, what Dino has done can't be overlooked, shouldn't be overlooked. I don't think he is being overlooked. I think that... Um, you know, when, when you look at the other coaches who were hired in his hiring cycle, and I, I noticed this on Saturday, remember when Chris Ash was an option? I, I mean, he just got beat by 45 against Kansas. You know, remember when that was the alternative? Uh, you know, Scott Frost, uh, yeah, he went 12-0 at UCF, but look at what's happening at Nebraska. Like, like these guys have growing pains. Dino seems to be over those. Dino seems to be past that. Like, I, I like what Dino is doing, and, and I've said this before. If Dino Babers is not the coach to bring this football program back to relevance, to prominence, to whatever you want to say, I don't know who is because he's likable, he's personable, he runs a fun style of offense, and I just what do you, what are you going to do if this doesn't like if this doesn't work? Who are you turning to? Like he's the perfect candidate. What are you turning to if not this? So I, I think it's working. I do. Oh, I think it's working and, too. And I I. Personally, put put my trust in Dino as an alumni to make the program better, right? I I put my trust into in him. I, I think he's the right guy moving this for, this program forward, and I think that's abundantly clear. Uh, two plus years in. Back to the phone lines. Uh, Steve in Liverpool up next on the show. Hey, Steve. Yeah, hi. Um, I think most of us probably saw the game either in person or here in Syracuse. Well, I had a different perspective. I was at my high school reunion in Florida, and some of the alum, you can imagine, went to FSU. And a couple of them were football players on the uh, Florida State team a few years back. And uh, I was watching the game with some other people, and I didn't know where the FSU people were. And then they told me they were at a restaurant near the pool. So after that last touchdown for SU, I went over there. Their faces were on the floor. They could have rasped me and said, you guys were lucky. No, I mean, they really said, you have a great football team. You're going to do some damage and do well this season. Of course, they're moping because, you know, Florida State usually, you know, is hitting these marks. 
So I think nationally the spotlight is on Syracuse. And, of course, Coach Babers, when he's doing the recap in the locker room, and that's on ESPN, uh, I think the program, even though we're a little cautious, I think it's arriving. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And you mentioned the speech, so we haven't played it yet. Certainly got that down, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think he's got it. Uh, got it nailed. I love the beginning of that more than anything. I thought the the, the two lines at the beginning were hilarious. And we got to ask Floyd because the last time Syracuse beat Florida State, Floyd played. Floyd was on the field for the Orange the last time that SU beat Florida State. All right, we've got Floyd coming up uh, in about twenty five minutes from now. We're brought to you in part by Charles Heating and Air. Quick break. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Back on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at BillRapp.com. Yeah, you know, uh, to Steve, uh, our last caller's point, he said he was watching with a whole bunch of Florida State fans uh, or, or had a whole bunch of Florida State alumni there where he was uh, watching. I had a whole bunch at Shaughnessy's. Uh, pre-game, there were so many Florida State fans there, um, and it was kind of awkward because they were the only people in the bar, and I'm talking about how they're not very good, and I thought I was just going to get, like, ganged up on and, and kind of, you know, uh, toughed up a little bit. Uh, I got an awesome sticker, and it's now in our uh, in our Facebook Live shot, so uh, check that out over on Facebook Live. Just check ESPN Syracuse. Uh, but there were there were a whole lot of Florida State fans around here. Can you imagine being an FSU fan right now? No. Well, where your I mean, program yeah. was, and then living through last year, and then Jimbo Fisher leaving, and you get Willie Taggart, and and this is the way the Willie Taggart era starts with a blowout loss to Virginia Tech, a game that frankly you were fortunate to beat Samford. Samford had a lot of turnovers, left a lot of points on the table. You were fortunate to beat an FCS school, and then you come on the road and and get blown out by Syracuse. The panic meter. It's got to be off the charts if you're an FSU fan right now. Yes. It has to be. We talked uh, uh, to Sean Reed, said it was what, an eight? 
Yeah, he said it was an eight before the before game. Before the game. It's uh I should have asked him for an update at halftime. It's gotta be a ten right now. <laughs> it, it's it's yeah. gotta be a ten. Back to the phone lines we go. Uh Scooter in Jamesville next up on the show. Hey Scooter. Hey guys, yeah, it cost a little night thunder right uh, being a Florida State fan and to be honest with you, uh Bobby Bowden built the program. Okay, and then Jimbo Fisher came. There's only been big, what, two coaches since, what, 1972, 73? 76, yeah. 76. In fact, I saw Bobby Bowden's last, uh, they actually played Syracuse the last uh, regular season when they had Syracuse uh, with Ray Preston, and those guys actually beat Bobby Bowden, who was ranked in the Archibald Stadium. So I saw his last game at West Virginia. I you know, I'm not they played in a bowl game, but I saw their last, the last game he actually coached at West Virginia for going to Florida State. And that's why I'm kind of wondering, if he doesn't recruit well with the uh, state of Florida, when you got University of Florida, you got to compete to every year. You know they might be down for a little bit. There's no real reason they, you know, they should come back that quickly. It's not like Ohio State or Alabama's brand name, and that's why I really thought. And we we had discussions. I really thought that they were going to beat beat Florida State. I thought they were going to score at least 35 points against that defense, or at least have a chance. And what's scary was I mentioned about Custis probably dropping a touchdown pass and. Lo and behold, he's running down the sidelines, and you know, and it's if it wasn't for the two field goals, I really felt if they scored two touchdowns in that first uh, that first quarter, I, the psyche of Florida State, I think, would have been you know, off the charts. And the 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 uh, Florida State, you know, strategy right for halftime. Thank God, because you know, I, I'm sitting here going, I, I saw a game against Miami when their number one and Ken Dorsey came into the dome, and Syracuse dominated. The first half and same, it's almost like it was like deja vu. They're up six nothing. Then Miami hits a big play, go up seven six, and, and they just you know you can just feel the everything go out of the dome. And that's the same feeling I had in the first half is that we did so well and we're dominating this game. We should be up twenty points and it's just going to take one fluke play to to actually lose the lead. And thank you know thank God at the end of the first half, uh, you know Florida State decided I don't know what they were doing to be honest with you. You could have to ask Willie Taggart. About the clock management there, but I already felt, and I still feel, there's there's at least eight to nine wins on the table for this team. Uh, you know, this is the cycle I talked about. The tough teams are at home. The fifty fifty games are on the road, and I'd be interested to see what the point spread for the next uh, rest of the games at home are going to be. I can't believe Syracuse be less than two or three point underdogs. I can almost see them being favorites, and it's up to them if they they got the foundation to have eight or nine wins. If they can take advantage, it'll be up to them. But uh, I, I saw this season. I thought this would be the season where they could win eight or nine, and they still have a shot. Yeah, they certainly do, Scooter. And and uh, you know, I, not to get off on too much of a Florida State tangent here, but uh, Florida State's bigger problem than Florida or Miami, I think, is they've also got other schools that are now better, right? And they've got FAU that's got Lane Kiffin and is good, and they've got Central Florida who, you know, just had Scott Frost in an undefeated season and is good. And FIU has, you know, Butch Davis and, and is growing. So, like, it's really difficult for a team in Florida now to just rely on, hey, we'll recruit Florida, right? And we'll just take the best players out of this state. Because now there are, like, five or six legitimate D1 schools down there who are all playing good football. And you have to go up against, by the way, Everybody else in the country who's trying to get into Florida to get the best players, like I, I think Florida State's got some issues there. Um, that, that's going to cause some problems. Scooter asked uh, about the the point spread for the rest of the home games. As it stands right now, like if you set the point spreads for these games today, I think Syracuse is favored against UConn, North Carolina, and Louisville. I'm not yep. sure about NC State. 
I think I think NC State's more of a pick 'em. Um, as I go again to the FPI, just just to throw this out there again, um, f- uh, Sir- uh, ESPN's Football Power Index gives Syracuse a better than fifty percent chance in five of the remaining nine games, ninety five and ninety seven and a half percent against UConn, an eighty one point eight percent chance to beat UNC. 59.2% chance to beat NC State, 78% chance yeah. to beat Louisville. So, uh based on the football power index, they would be they would be favored in all four all of those remaining home games. And we didn't get a chance to see NC State play West Virginia this weekend. That game was that canceled. Would have been a great so, game. That, you know, if NC State had won that one, I would think NC State would be favored. I'm still sure. not sure about that one, but the other 3, I think Syracuse is is definitely favored in those other 3. Back to the phone lines. We go Dom and Syracuse up next on the show. Hey Dom, Hey guys, one thing that I missed during the the G Rob era and, and the the following years of mediocrity is being able to wake up after a nice win like this and go through the national media and see what's being said. Um, doing that after this game, you know, last year when we beat Clemson, it was feel good. It was a lot of good press. People were surprised. This year, we beat FSU handily. And it was almost like, you know, you, they lost to Syracuse. You know, they, 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 there was still an air of, you know, this mediocre team that FSU just laid in the, they did lead Atlantic, but the lack of respect of Syracuse is still out there. Um, I still think there is, is a ways to go to get that level of respect back. But to that point, you guys were just talking about it. Six wins, to me personally, this year is a losing season. Especially now you're 3-0, you've got momentum, let's, let, let's reset the bar. Where do you guys think it's at? Do you think it's at seven wins? Do you think it's eight? Do you go Julian Wiggum style and say ten is on the table? Where do you, where are you guys, where's your head at now? Well, they haven't won six games in five years, so let's put six games as the baseline. I, I mean, I, I, I still, I struggle to go, I, I struggle to say that six years wouldn't be a successful season. Even with, even with starting 3-0. And probably four and zero because you haven't done it in five years. Like that would be a success, right? To get six wins and go back to a bowl game. That doesn't mean I don't think they could do better. I think they could win seven. Uh, I think maybe eight, right? If you flip the right games and if if you win, you know, pit on the road, then then you probably you know feel pretty good about that. But I, I think six is still like the the number that you're like, hey, if we get there, this is still a success. This is still a good year. I understand what Dom's saying um, because it does feel like six is almost like the the basement now, right? right. I mean, it does it, it to some degree? It feels like well, they should at least get to six. Um, and they, this is something I think we could, we could talk about. Is five years? This is something I think we could talk about as the week progresses. But since Dom asked the question, I think seven right now is a fair expectation because that would be three and zero in the non-conference. We're gonna, you know, Notre Dame's kind of its own animal. Three and zero in the non-conference, and then four and four in conference. And when your home games. gets you to seven, right? When your home games, right? But I'm saying when that. You, but but that's how you do it. Theoretically, right? that's how you get to four and four in conference. Well, and theoretically, that's how you win seven. You you win UConn, NC, uh, UNC, NC State, Louisville. There's your seven. There's your four four next wins. There's seven. Yeah. So I, I think that's a fair expectation. Is that the you know is that the baseline? You know I, I hear what you're saying, Seth. Six wins is the baseline. Sure, that's the minimum that you want to hit this year because you want to go to a bowl game. But in terms of what's a fair expectation, you know Julian said they should win ten if they beat Florida State and Dungey stays healthy. I know where his head's at. He's talking about individually. He looks at each game. He says, "All right, Syracuse can win that can one. Win they can that win that one. one. They can win that one." And I get that. Um, but what is what's fair? 
I think seven is fair. Sure. I think a winning record right now, seeing what what this team has and the start that they've gotten off to and and what the other teams have. I mean, Louisville is down. North Carolina is down. You know, we still don't quite know how good NC State is. I would have loved to have seen that West that West Virginia game. You know, BC looks pretty good. Wake pretty good, but those I mean, those are games that Syracuse could win. So I think 7 is a fair expectation. We do need to take a timeout here. We'll wrap up our number 1 right after this on ESPN Radio.